We need Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the day that we receive the mark of ashes on our forehead as a reminder that we are creatures. Creatures who have separated ourselves from God. And uh, that apart from God, who is the Lord of life, that we are only dust. And it's a day when we focus on our reconciliation with God. As Paul says in our epistle, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation is an important idea. Reconciliation means to change or exchange. It involves a, a change in relationship. And it assumes that there has already been a breakdown in that relationship. That there is estrangement, alienation, uh, even incompatibility. It's no secret that our society is more divided, more alienated, and more depressed than ever. And the way that we, we typically go about reconciliation and, and attempting to fix our, our broken relationships in our world is this. That we either try to convince the, the person that we're estranged to uh, that, that we've changed. And, and so hopefully they'll, they'll accept us back again. Like the stereotypical bad boyfriend who, who cheats on his girlfriend and, and, and buys her flowers and chocolates and everything. And he says, oh, I, I've changed. Uh, but he really hasn't and he is still cheating on her. Or we believe that we're in the right. And, and that our duty is to, to point out to, to someone else how, how they're wrong. Uh, because if they would just become like us, then, then everything would, would be okay. And so you wind up with what you see around us today, with people uh, yelling at each other, saying, uh, you need to shape up and, and be more like, like me. Uh, or you have people falling into despair or self-righteousness in, in trying to meet some standard. This is trying to use the law as a means of reconciliation. And we do this with God, too. At first glance, this seems to be what Paul is instructing the, the Corinthians to do in his second epistle. Out of context, Paul saying, be reconciled to God, sounds a lot like Paul yelling to the Corinthians, shape up. It's like if you've got two boys who are fighting with each other and you yell out, love each other. Maybe not the best uh, thing to do. But this is the message that most people think that Christianity is all about. Shape up. We know there has already been a breakdown in our relationship. This is what sin has done with our relationship to God. And so what we try to do to, to fix that is that we try to prove to God that we've changed. And we can, we can, we, we're, we're a different person. We can do different things. We, we can help the poor. We can give money. We can pray. We go to church. We fast. We do all these things to try to show God how much we've changed so that God will accept us again. But it won't work. Nothing really has changed. We've only convinced ourselves that we've changed. All the while, we are still the same old, filthy, rotten sinner. Sin has ruined our relationship so completely that there is no way for us to restore it. And while ruining our relationship with God, it has also ruined our communion and fellowship 
with each other. And you see, this is what sin is. Sin is that which separates us from the knowledge of God's love. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is separation. This is why we need Ash Wednesday. Because on Ash Wednesday, we, we humbly acknowledge that we are fallen creatures. That without God, we are only dust. We have no power to save ourselves. We cannot restore the, the separation that our sin has caused and that our sin is. But Jesus has. Jesus works a change in heart and life through the power of his Holy Spirit. Reconciliation is made possible not through law, not through our work, but through gospel. Reconciliation is what God does. It's what God has always done. God has taken the initiative to overcome our, our pettiness and our hostility and our separation and our alienation. God is always working to reconcile us back to himself and to restore our relationship. God returns us to himself. God has already reconciled us to himself in Jesus. We read, God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We don't know anything but sin, and we're really bad at, at trying to become clean. You know, our, our world today is hurting. People are burdened by broken relationships, by marriages that are broken or on the verge of collapse. People are burdened by unchastity and impure, sexually active lives, another version of broken relationships. And they know something's not quite right, and, and they don't know quite how to deal with it. And they've been told that Christianity is, is, is simply morality, uh, that it is to, to be moral. And they can't be moral, and so Christianity is seen as nothing but a dead end. But we offer, Christianity offers, the forgiveness of sins for the sake of Jesus Christ for everyone, for the world. Jesus, by his death on the cross, has changed our relationship, not only with God, but with each other. And we invite people to come live in a completely new reality, a new reality, a new relationship of joy and peace and freedom. And that is the greatest and most powerful thing in the world. There have been numerous studies done over the years of how church attendance affects relationships, especially the relationship of marriage. The national divorce rate is something like one in two marriages fail, 50%. But if you're in church regularly, the number drops by over half that. Imagine the power of being in a Lutheran church where you start out by saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner. You've been blaming your spouse all week, and you've been waiting to confess, uh, Lord, uh, she's a, or he's a poor, miserable sinner. Help him. Help them. And finally you say, I, 
a poor, miserable sinner. And your spouse hears you. That is the most powerful reconciliation available. It's the gospel. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. He didn't go around pointing his holy finger at, at, at every sinner and finding some who were better than others. No, Jesus became sin for us. Jesus himself says, I, a poor, miserable sinner. Even though he's not, he became sin. But in saying that, he also says of you, you are holy. You are pure. You are righteous. Now, all along, we've been trying to show God that we've changed when we haven't. And finally, when we admit that, God says, you've changed. You've changed because you stopped trying to be righteous and you've recognized that Jesus has made you righteous. Jesus changed our relationship with God by becoming sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is a powerful statement. Jesus came not so that we can just simply understand the righteousness of God. He did not come so that we could proclaim the righteousness of God. He did not even come so that we could be saved and feel good about the righteousness of God. Jesus came so that we could become the righteousness of God. And you have the proof of this. The end consequence of sin and the end of every sinner is death, in which our bodies decay and rot and return to dust to be eaten by worms and maggots. Jesus, however, who did die, did not decay. Jesus rose from the dead, and as a, as a testimony that everything he promised is true, as a testimony to the, that, that the Father is now pleased with you, Jesus has reconciled you to God. Jesus has changed your relationship to God. He's exchanged it with his own. You are not a worthless speck of dust to God. You are his own beautiful child. You are a new creation. And God calls you to forsake sin and believe this. This is the new reality of the entire world. And it affects our relationship with others because it means that God has, has also declared my enemy whom I hate the righteousness of God. It means God has declared my spouse with whom I'm fighting the righteousness of God. It means God has declared my broken family the righteousness of God. The entire world is reconciled to God. During the season of Lent, then when we focus our attention uh, we, we do focus our attention on our behaviors and our lies, and we try to discern what things are, are further hurting our relationship to God. And, and at the same time, we also seek to be God's ministers of reconciliation in the world, as Paul says. So what things can we remove from our lives that might cause us to stumble? What things can we remove from our lives that might cause someone else to stumble? How can we grow in our appreciation for Jesus' work of reconciliation through prayer and meditation on his holy word? How can we be the righteousness of God in the world?
However you answer that, in your personal piety this Lent, know this. You have been baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection. The reconciliation that Jesus won for the world has been personally brought to you. Even though you may be dying, through Jesus' death, you live. Even though you may grieve, yet because of the resurrection, you rejoice. Even though we may be poor, miserable sinners, you are rich in the grace of God. Even though we and everything we possess will return to dust through the reconciliation of Christ, you possess everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.